Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's safety talk. Excellent information. I learned a ton. I took a bunch of notes, so it was very good. So a couple things, machine guarding in general, I know it's on the, the ownership is on the owner of the equipment to make sure that it is safe and guarded. Is that the same thing for robots? Do the owners of the machines have to do that? Or is it the manufacturers that supply that guarding and safety? Yeah, you know, we, we get into this when um, I conduct these machine safety workshops and we get into the aspect of compliance. The myth is that the in the United States, it's the end user that's responsible for machine safety. And from a pure legislative and I'll say the criminal law side of this, that's absolutely true. The laws of the U.S. basically say it's up to the employer, you know, the person using that. The thing, though, those are the sort of, the, I'll say, the criminal courts, you know, that would cover legislative aspects of it. And the laws are all basically talking about that as well. Whereas if you look at Europe, in Europe, this is where the myth is that, that it's the OEM who's responsible for safety. And, and in fact, it's both in Europe as well. They're both equally. The difference here in the U.S., we rely on the civil courts much more. 99% of the time when there's a safety incident that occurs at a manufacturer, if workman's comp doesn't satisfy the plaintiff, if you will, the legal route that typically go, it goes through is through the civil courts. And most of the time it involves the OEM, the integrator, anybody who was involved in that machine. And because the, the legal route that the, the legal system takes it through down the civil court is what's called a product liability suit. It's much easier for a plaintiff to get reparations for something if in a product liability suit, because the proof of the burden of proof is on the machine supplier versus if you try to sue, say your employer, the burden of proof is on you. You have to prove negligence. When I sue a product, sue it as a product liability suit, all I have to do is is prove that there was a inherently there was a alternative safer design. That could be something as simple as a guard on there, and I can prove that you know, evidence that, you know, I had a defect or a hazard on this machine. I had evidences, somebody got hurt, you know, so why would, if, you know, what could have been done to prevent that? A lot of times it comes into, you know, with, with something associated with the product itself. Anyway, so ultimately, you know, when it, when you get the, the, the short answer is that it's really both, it's the employer and the supplier. Essentially, that's going to be one way or another, held responsible. And I'm not a lawyer. I can't. I can't say. <laughs> no worries. I don't think anybody. I don't think we have any lawyers in our group. I don't know if anybody practices on the side, but I don't. I don't <laughs> think a couple of things about you know, if someone was going to get started in robotics, like you mentioned, you know, like 88, I think, percent of the companies are going to be involved in robotics soon. How does somebody get started? Uh, can you find the the RIA? Is that free to attain that? How do they get started in the robotics? Yeah, so so those standards organization, be it ISO, IAC, ANSI, RIA, they're com- comprised of volunteers. They're subcommittees and, and representatives. They're independent private organizations that just gather representatives from from industry, you know, from John Deere, Honda, GM, 
uh, from the robot suppliers, FANUC, ABB, uh, um, they'll, they'll all kind of get together. Insurance companies, there'll be a number of integrators, you know, anybody, and they all get together and they argue. You know, they basically take what the current standard is. They look at how it failed industry. Revisions of standards are essentially called, they're written in blood. So they'll find some instance where some in issue happened. So maybe somebody was compliant to the standard, but somehow it failed. So revisions become, you know, a key part of this. Uh, new technology and stuff get, get adopted. How do you, you know, how do you address and provide guidance? So they, they make their money by just selling publications. So no, they're not free. You know, some are several hundred dollars and whatnot. They can be voluminous. A typical machine safety expert has roughly a thousand pages of standards, you know, in their library that, you know, much like a law library, you, you know it pretty damn well, but um, you know it word for word, but you know the important parts word for word, but you know for sure where to go get the information, where the guidance is required. So that's why about 80% of these type of applications are done externally. Most companies don't do their own, even machine integration themselves. So they go out to companies, integrators like IMS. You know, most of the, the, our companies, our customers don't do anything internally. They rely on us. But yeah, you'd have to buy the standards. And just buying them doesn't make you, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta use them, you gotta apply them, you gotta read them, you gotta associate them with real life applications. That, and that's really where the, the expertise comes in. I think we have time for one more question. I have a, a comment. Uh, explain more about guarding and cobots. We have some upper management that believe a cobot is completely safe and does not require anything special for an employee to be working around them. Yeah. So that's the assumption and that's the intent. So, you know, part of what was attempted here was the removal of guarding to provide access and whatnot. By and large, that's that's true. But at the same time, there's a there is you, you regardless of whether it's a cobot or regular you know robot, the answer to that is always what did the risk assessment tell you? How are people using this machine? What type of products are this is this cobot? you know, handling, moving around, you know, whatnot. If you do a risk assessment and all of the hazard task combinations come out to a risk estimation that was an acceptable level, and it doesn't necessarily have to be low or negligible or something, you could, you could fully accept a medium or high risk and just go, hey, it's just a dangerous thing and I'm going to layer on other training or policies, procedures, something like that. The important part of it is that you've documented all of that stuff. I would highly not recommend throwing a cope need to do anything in here. That's how you can get into, you know, elements of negligence, you know, that making that assumption that ah, I don't need to do anything. At a minimum, do the risk assessment, document the risk, document your decisions to accept what was the risk assessment told you. And if you accept all of it, hey, there's nothing more I need to go do. Highly unlikely, but you're probably going to find something. Probably want to have a rule, policy. Maybe not everybody's allowed to go in there. Maybe it's only the trained people, and I got to keep track of who was trained and who's not. And then now I've got some authorization and can access control that I might want to implement, you know, here as well. So you kind of go down that path, but it's probably best to be covered in that regard. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, that's a great answer. Well, with that, I think we've covered all the questions that I saw come okay. through. Great.
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.